0: Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up, and I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. Pasha Marlowe here from Let's Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. And I know I've probably said it already on previous podcasts. I'm so excited for this next guest. But for real, if there were to be one person... Beyond Oprah and Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and they they just can't compare to the person I'm about to introduce, Megan Joe Wilson, CEO of Megan Joe Wilson's Rockstar Camp, my coach. Mm the author of who the fuck are you to be a rock star and who the fuck are you to be a coach and a new book coming out. I'll let you announce that. Sure. Um, a goddess, oh, my God. inspiration, like I, a year and a half ago, what was it now? I don't know. October, 2019 was when I did Rockstar camp. So that's when I first met you. So <laughs> it's approximately a year. And a half. So, um, yes, I'm a new person, and a better person and a much more lively and fun and happy person because of you. And mm-hmm. I'm just here to selfishly thank you publicly. Um, but I'm so glad you're here with me today, <laughs> Megan, Joe, Wilson. Welcome. I'm so excited to be with you.
1: I you. love you. I miss you. I just uh bought your new
0: book. That's um, crazy for you no! to say. <laughs> So exciting. You know when you posted, you know when you posted that Marion Williamson reviewed your book? Like that's how it feels for me to hear you say, I just bought your book. That's what it feels like. Thank you for honoring me and comparing me to such
1: rock star (laughs) women. That is, I'm just taking that in.
0: Well, it's the it's the impact you've had on on my life. And um so I'll just set the scene real quick because I'm sure people are confused because people who know me now do not believe and cannot imagine that a year and a half ago, I would have defined myself as, um, sad, shy, timid, um, traditional, um, blocked, um, stuck. I don't know. I could just go on and on. Um, not happy and really stuck in my past trauma Mm. and, stuck in my grief to the extent that I wanted to take my life because my son was that sick and he wanted to take his life. And I was just so like, I was like in like death mode. So (laughs) my friend Libby, um, and I went purse shopping. Well, she went purse shopping for a fabulous purse. And I watched her buy a fabulous purse and she was wearing shorts And I hadn't worn shorts in, I don't know, years, because I had body shame. And we had this fantastic conversation about body shame. And I'm like, how did you do that? Like, how do you get to the point where you're wearing shorts and you're celebrating your body and you're buying expensive, overpriced purses just for fun? Like, how do you do that? Just tell me, just tell me your secrets. And she's like, well, I signed up for Megan Joe's Rockstar Camp. And I'm like, What? So we had this conversation in a parking lot in Yarmouth um, a couple years ago. And I looked you up and I said, I'm not fucking working with her cause she's cool and she's got cool hair and cool clothes and she's a rock star and I don't understand music or singing and I'm not worthy. I'm not cool enough. I'm not, I just went down the rabbit hole. And, um, and then, and then I, had a sense, thank God, to call and and sign up for a discovery call. Mm-hmm. And I remember exactly where I was the first time we talked. I mm-hmm. know I'm talking so much and I'm hardly letting you get a word in. I promise I will soon. But Hi, I'm right. at this lake house doing personal training for this 80-year-old woman in New Hampshire and I'm at her lake house and I had to use her phone and her Wi-Fi because it was at the end of my appointment there. And we get on the phone and and you're not scary. Mm-hmm. And you're approachable and you're friendly and I felt I felt safe. Mm-hmm. And you said something along the lines of what do you do for fun? And I was like, <laughs> what do I what do you do for fun? What are you talking about? I have a job and three kids and I'm like, I'm calling you from work. I don't, it's, I'm just, it's just about work. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have fun. And, um, and then you said, what's in your pleasure? What do you desire? Like, oh, come on. And then finally, finally, about half an hour later, I said something really crazy mm-hmm. that I can't believe I said even out loud a couple of years ago. And I said, okay, okay, okay. If everything were just crazy and I had all the money in the world and all my kids were, off out of college and and um and I figured out my my life and my body and everything, I would have a girlfriend on the side. And you're mm. like, Yeah, that could happen. And oh, I know somebody you should talk to who who actually has that life. And I'm like, what? and then you're like, you should come to Roxar Camp, and then you can hang out with me and my other sister goddesses, including this woman who actually has that life. And by the way, this is I promise the end, you said. Your life will not, things do not have to fall apart when you claim that desire. And I was like, oh. anyhow, from that point on, everything changed. Um, I still don't have a girlfriend though, because fuck. <laughs> Wait a minute. I didn't but, but I wrote a damn book about it. And I put it out there and claimed it. Um, I signed up for Rockstar Camp. And I'll talk about that more because I should probably let my guests talk. Oh, no, keep
1: going. I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> so I signed up for Rockstar Camp, um, which isn't, by the way, just about singing, even though I thought it was. And I was really pissed off at Mega Joe somewhere around the last week when I was like, okay, when's the part where you teach us how to sing our song? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs>
0: Like, yeah, that's not the program that's not what I do that's all it's, it's it's not about the song <laughs> then what am I doing and then and then I stood on stage and I sang the damn song, and there's a whole lot obviously that happened before I got to that point. Mm. but while I was singing the song, one, I realized, oh, this is what she was saying this this is the fun. this is the pleasure, this is the desire I think. And I said that the next day, mm-hmm. that was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Those uh, two minutes on stage, I'm not lying. That is the most fun I ever had in my life. And it it allowed me to realize that I hadn't stopped to have fun, that I hadn't realized what it was that that brought me to my pleasure, that I had never stepped into my power, that I never allowed myself to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. And that night, while I was crying in the green room, while everyone else was dancing downstairs, because I was like, I don't even know what's happening to me. Um, I said, I think I need to create a comedy program where people can do what I just did and tell their story on a live comedy stage. Because now that I've done something really scary... I need to do something scarier to step into my power even more and to be seen even more and to play big even more. And so I don't know what you did, woman, but (laughs) seriously, I'm like a different person and I like myself a lot more. And so does everybody else who knows me, except (sighs) for my parents who think I'm completely lost. That can I thank you. Thank you. Thank you
1: for telling that story it's such a treat to hear the journey from the beginning because of course I remember that conversation and of course I knew your name because you're kind of like the mayor of cool women's city like you just know you're like a natural connector person so I remember that conversation so well Um, I don't remember all those questions and responses I had but those are pretty damn good (laughs) You can have what you desire, right? What a radical thing to hear. And that everything yeah. won't fall apart if you claim it. And you won't, and your life won't fall apart if you claim it. Yeah. Uh, what a concept. Of course, sometimes it does, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't. But it's such a great question. Now, I remember right before you went to India, you put out a post that said something along the lines of if everyone in your world that you love wouldn't, if you knew everyone in the world that you love wouldn't get hurt. Right. What would you do? Right. And that struck a chord as well. That allowed me to do the podcast and write the book because I was like, "Well, if I wasn't right. scared of what everyone would think, say, do once I stepped into that truth, um, that that's that was my next step." So, so yeah, I had to. And and well, there's so many directions we can go. But, I know, but um, holding the space for me to surrender to the idea of potentially losing Jamie and knowing and being able, like you held space for this in the healing uh, circle that you did with the sound healing Mm. that I imagined, could I survive without him? And then coming to the place of feeling whole that I wasn't only his mom and that it would wreck me for probably decades, but that it's possible I could survive it. Mm. Seriously. It was like I, it's in the sound healing circle you led. You have so many gifts. (laughs) All the spaces you've held um, for such transformation. Mm. I felt like when the women were singing around me that I was attending I was attending my own funeral and my son's funeral in that moment. Right. Yeah. I was walking through that and then, and then finding a way out of it and finding a way um, to, to not just survive, but but thrive after it. Yeah.
1: Right. So it's like you were able to face your deepest fear. I mean, that's definitely my deepest fear as a mom (sighs) and to be with it, to be with it, for a moment. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way we can do that is in community and sisterhood, right? It's like, I'm definitely not doing this unless I have a lot of people holding my ropes because mm-hmm. I will go down. Da- I will just go under. I just will mm-hmm. just the thought of it.
0: Exactly. I will go. Yes. Under.
1: Yes. So yes. I remember that moment. I remember that moment too. And the thread that I'm kind of like seeing through all of it is for you, for all of us is like, being uh witnessed having community and almost like and this that that whole idea of what would I do if no one got hurt yeah because that is what most of us I think that's what all of us really especially women are just that's our top priority which I'm not gonna hurt anyone I'm not gonna offend anyone I'm not gonna Mm-hmm. upset anyone. I'm not going to rattle anyone's cage. And then we're suddenly in a cage ourselves, like yeah. all those things you said, sad, numb, right? not having what we want, right? but everyone else is good. So I'm doing my job. <laughs> it's wild. So that question has been a huge one for me. I got that question from a therapist mm-hmm. when I was sitting with a boyfriend who I kept trying to break up with Mm. but he wouldn't like believe me. So I had to bring him to the therapist's office so that he would hear that I really meant it. And, um, and she asked that in front of him, like, I was like, I just don't want him to be hurt. Yeah. I will. I will stab myself a million times before I scratch him, Mm -hmm. even though I'm not in love with him anymore. Mm -hmm. Definitely want out. Mm -hmm. I will torture myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said, well, what if nobody got hurt? What would you do? And I was like, end it
0: immediately. Yes. And you were certain. Yes. <sighs> he was like, oh shit. Yeah. She really means this. Yeah. It's such a powerful question. And mm-hmm. the amazing surprising things that come up. When you ask yourself that question, sometimes they feel really radical and sometimes reckless. And it actually seems that a lot of people in your presence, I must say, come out with something like, well, I would have a girlfriend on the side, or I would have Mm a non-monogamous relationship. My husband would be fine with it. So one has to wonder, because I've talked to many women, like Joe, who said, well, uh, yeah, I mean, Megan Joe could make you bisexual just being in her presence. Like, like, like people step into their, um, their sexual desire when they're with you. I'll just yeah. say that.
1: Yes, I have that effect on people. <laughs> well, you know, we're given such a limited menu of <laughs> options. And it seems so normal until you start to explore the other options. Which is Mm -hmm. what you've been doing and what I've been doing, Mm -hmm. and what I love about exploring all this stuff with with the people we work with, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so the so the options I'm given are monogamous, hetero, missionary position, (laughs) and the point is to orgasm, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and those are all
0: cool options, Mm -hmm. but it's like one tiny sliver Mm -hmm. of a million Mm -hmm. other options. Mm Yes. And that leads me into the whole idea of let pleasure be the measure and pleasure yeah. practices and Mama Gina and her influence on you. And I never had the opportunity to work with her, but I've read her books, thanks to you. And yeah. I've been following her. And the idea that pleasure goes so far beyond sex and sexuality and orgasm and to establish a pleasure practice in her life on a daily basis, even when things are really shitty and difficult is so important. Um, and that it doesn't have to be grand or, um, time consuming or cost a lot of money. And that was, that was freeing. So you, you taught me that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out to
1: Regina Thomas Shower mama Gina. She obviously hugely influential teacher Mm -hmm. in my work. And I think that the The idea, of let pleasure be the measure. Like, what a great frame. And what's so fascinating to me is it's so simple,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's so difficult mm-hmm. when you are in a space of depressed, sad, anxious, overwhelm. It's like so counter to what you think is going to help. Yeah. But- <laughs> and I've been doing this for years and teaching it and still it's like, okay, um, what? how can I infuse a little bit of pleasure into my day right now? Like you said, like, yes, I would love to move to Italy for a month, but yeah. given that I can't, could I make a, an espresso that tastes really good? Mm-hmm. But I have a little dance break in my kitchen. Could mm-hmm. I like today I'm wearing my Viva Mexico head wrap because I'm really missing Mexico. Like, oh, yes. that pleases me. Yes. And her whole philosophy, which I know is and I love how you're playing with this in your own unique way, but is that pleasure is the fuel for women? It is the fuel. It is what puts the wind in our sails for our desires and without mm-hmm. it, we just atrophy, like all of it just shuts down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is not new wisdom. In fact, it's ancient wisdom that so many of us are just rediscovering. Uh, oh, this is this is ancient. Yes, and we're bringing it back into modern times, just like that sound healing experience yes. you had. That's ancient. Yes. Practice. We yes. just happened to be doing it in 2020, wasn't it, last spring in a house, you know, near the oh, beach.
0: Right. It was just before COVID and right. um, the lockdown. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting that you mentioned ancient practices because a lot of what's coming up in these podcasts are ancient practices such as vaginal steaming and yoni steaming and right. things that seem, um, Really radical right now, and right. <laughs> doing them for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So just stepping back into that, and and then just the the tiny. I in your honor usually don't wear anything like a bra, and this is as much this is as much cleavage as I show <laughs> since Rockstar are camp. Nobody has seen my boobs. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I still have so long to go, which is where I was going because you mentioned the dance break. I swear, I would rather talk about suicide yeah. than do a dance break. Yeah. And I've been trying to figure this out because I understand the reasoning behind it and the impact of it. And when I do it, I feel, oh, it's really heavy and very challenging and, and, yeah. and feels traumatic. Yeah. Um, it feels like triggering trauma. Yeah. Um, And... It pisses me off because it looks like one of the easy preliminary steps. But no, I could write a book and do a podcast and come out as bisexual and be big and play full out in my life and try to become a comedian, do all the big scary things, but get me to dance, even alone, really hard. Have I ever danced in front of my right now, currently partner? No. Like there's still so much uh armor yeah. and I don't I frankly don't get it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well it's not uncommon and there's a couple things and the obvious one that you know is you know when our bodies hold trauma we very brilliantly disconnect from our body. My body has trauma my if I connect to my body in a way that feels pleasurable or sensual Is immediately conflated with really painful, confusing experiences I've had around being in my body as as an erotic creature. Mm. And so of course we don't want to go there because it's triggering to the trauma. Mm. But the other piece too, that I've been noticing more and more is that some women really love to dance. It's Mm. like, just a familiar language and it sort of feels good. And for other women, that's just not the, their favorite, it's, it's not pleasurable. It actually doesn't bring pleasure into the body. So we've been playing around with like, uh, if it's not dance, then try jumping jacks or push ups or yoga, or just shake, 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 right. Or play golf or do yoga. It's, um, because it's not just everyone's favorite language, and it doesn't have to be, so I think both of those things are true, and for me, I always loved I always love dancing I just love dancing, so it brings me great pleasure, even though sometimes it's like, "Oh, this feels too much," or I can feel my rolls, or I feel like Ugh. um and certainly the minute we have someone else watching us do anything, the triggering is exacerbated. <laughs> yes massively because now we're being seen and witnessed in our bodies, which is extra terrifying.
0: Exactly. And and I really appreciate you said that about um different ways to do it, that I'm not alone in not feeling not just comfortable with dancing, but maybe it's just not my it's right. not my catalyst, right? And so I've been uh suggesting to my coaching clients who who feel similarly and for myself that within my exercise routines, be it like an interval workout, that I will still play and maybe it's 30 seconds or a minute of a, of a song that allows me to feel into my rage and then grief and then turn on, yes. as you suggest. But rather than dancing with it, I allow it to um, adjust the way I'm moving within. Like, am I jumping? Am I pounding? Am I lifting heavy? Am I stretching? Am I working on my core? And so that's how I've been able to work it into to my life yes. uh, in a comfortable, safe way. But yeah. maybe the dancing will come. I hope so. Every once yeah. in a while, I wiggle it out. Yeah,
1: and maybe not. And then I'm like, "Well, what is dancing, man?" That's like, true. Because right, I'm moving my body rhythmically to music, and it's the same thing with singing. You know, where people say, "Well, I can't sing or I can't dance," and I just don't. I just don't ever believe that from anyone because we, it's in our DNA. It's it's you know you don't meet three-year-old kids who are like I can't dance and I can't carry a tune we just Mm -hmm. move we sing we even if our rhythm isn't great it's what we do as human beings what we always have done since the time we were cavemen banging rocks together to make a rhythm which is really how it
0: started yes yes yes, my, my husband, African drums, he doesn't dance. He doesn't talk hardly. He doesn't share, but he plays African drums in the rhythm of the drum. He feels like that's his connection to his soul, soul, to his spirit and to truth. And so, yeah, it's, it's such a fun practice though, to figure it out. And it seems like it's always through some sort of create creativity, right? Curiosity comes through the creativity. Um, and, and then we just have to keep trying I didn't a comedy. Are you kidding? That was not in my radar. Had I not, had I not been feeling like okay, uh, it's it's I'm going to disappear or I'm going to try something crazy. I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to try the scariest thing I could think of. I wouldn't have gotten to that point and just seen if it stuck. Had I not tried tried everything, I'm like I tried singing, I tried dancing, I right. stand-up comedy, and. Um, but if we don't allow ourselves the space to do that, we'll just never know. So you might want to play mandolin or or, or river dance or, I don't know, like you might want to do something you've never even considered. Right. Uh, I love that playing. I've been saying that it's, I'm finally learning to play with myself. Yes. Not the way you suggested a rock star (laughs) can get. Mama Gina would be like, come on woman. What the fuck is taking it so long? So when I was in Rockstar Camp on the final day, everyone was claiming their, like, what's the biggest, scariest thing they could do next? And I'd already said the book. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what's scarier than writing a book about my sexuality? Oh, okay. One day I want to go into that um, sex toy shop in Portland. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even say I wanted to do anything in it or with it. I didn't need Uh the toys. I literally... (laughs) thought the scariest thing would be going to the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have been to the store, <laughs> <laughs> well, <brag>. <laughs> <laughs> but only under duress. <laughs> My friend Lisa said, we're going to have a meeting with some OBGYNs and some sexual therapists and sex counselors. We're going to talk about pelvic health. We're going to meet up in uh, NOMIA. So will you join us for the meeting? I'm like, Oh, Lisa Parsons. Uh huh. Smart. Yeah, right? I'm like, I could do a meeting. I could do a meeting. I, could do- <laughs> I went to the meeting. <laughs> and then she's like, you just look around and I'll just look. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Krista hoppola sexologist and consciousness guide. I am proud to say that Krista is my own personal sexologist, the woman I turn to when I need to refresh my own pleasure practices. I highly recommend her to my clients and friends. Her website is kristahopala.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-H-A-A-P-A-L-A.com. Lots of A's, or as I say, lots of ah's. It's all pleasure with this woman. Check her out.
1: This says so much about you, posh, posh audacious, as we like to call you, Um, because, and I think this is true for so many women, the logical part of our brain, which we're taught to listen to above all, would say things like, I can't write a book. I can't go to, I'm not ready to go to the sex toy shop. I definitely have no reason to get on stage and sing with a live band. And yet there is another part of you where it lives. Is it your heart, your spirit, your body, your pussy, your soul? I don't know, but there's some part of us that goes, yes, yes. Even though my brain says no. Yes. Even though this makes no sense. Yes. Even though my brain is scared and you have just over and over responded to that yes with so much courage and not everyone does that and that is why you are where you are right now with a program that's making a difference in people's lives with a book that just got published (laughs) you know with um all these practices that you're trying you just keep doing and who knows where it will take you next or take me next right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that intuitive illogical yes oh mm-hmm. that sounds terrifying yes like, yeah. so brilliant thank you it's true
0: so true it's I'm, so trying true. To, I'm trying to figure out what would scare me. Like, okay, what's next? And I usually start with, what well, it sounds really scary and fun. What sounds yeah. really scary and fun? And like, it's almost gotten to the point where I'm like, TED Talk. Like, ah, everybody does a TED Talk. And everybody does a TED Talk. Everyone does a TED Talk. I'm like, yeah. one woman show. I it? And like, I start playing around with these really grand, big ideas that felt inaccessible, unattainable yeah. a year ago. Um, and now it just feels like the world is wide open and it's just up to me to yeah. step into it and say yes to it. I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is fun. And so the paradox of course, is I'm having the most fun I've ever had and yeah. feeling as well as I've ever felt Yeah. at the same time going through no shit. The most difficult time in my life emotionally with Jamie being sick at the same time. And there's guilt. And there is guilt that I work through. Um, how could I possibly take this time to explore my sexuality? How could I possibly right, right, take this right. time to explore my desire? And then of course I realized that it's this energy that I have right now that I'm able to receive from all this pleasure and desire and fun that when I go back downstairs to uh-huh. care for him, I am able to make that boy laugh. That's right. Dance, and I'm feeding him healthy foods and I'm not depleted. I'm not sitting that's with him all the time holding his pain because I can't. And that's okay. And that's been really hard for me to realize that I cannot sit with him with his pain 24 seven for two years. I can't, right. it, it, I, I, I didn't have the energy to give back to myself, to him, to anything, uh, anyone. And so, um, I'm sure there's a lot of women who are listening to this who are homeschooling and taking care of their aging adults and and ill friends and in the middle of uncertainty and trauma and crises and wondering if it's appropriate or their time or okay to access their pleasure. And I just keep telling people, yes, more so now. Yes. Even more so, especially. especially
1: because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I am one of those women, you know, I got a kid who's doing, I have three kids doing remote learning. I have aging parents that live down the road. I have a business I'm trying to run all those things. And, and the, the conditioning would be, well, that I just need to serve more and give more. And And because this is serious, I mean, this is serious. We're in a pandemic. This is a crisis. Like we got to buckle down and really be with the pain. And we do that. And I know you do that too, but we have the capacity to do it because we are making our own joy, pleasure, fulfillment, also a priority. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, when a woman's in her joy, fulfillment and priority making that a priority, everyone around her is taken higher. Yes. Period. Yes.
0: Not what we're taught. (laughs) No. And after uh, today, I'm talking to a a woman who's a sex therapist, and we're talking about how to teach pleasure to children, raising sexually healthy children, and how can we start giving them the messages of pleasure at a very early age. So I'm I'm really fascinated about that. But I assume that that's one of the many, many ways um, to start this conversation is with our children.
1: Yeah. And there was something you said before too that just reminded me like how it's all always research and it's all always like where you are is perfect. Because as soon as I do, as soon as any of us start doing the comparison thing, right, we're just totally fucked. And it <laughs> yeah. happens all the time. And we have endless, we have a comparison shame at our fingertips all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and the models for that are so wild so Mm -hmm. I mean the primary models are like we have Hollywood and porn Mm -hmm. awesome and then or we have our friends and social media and other entrepreneurs and people who seem to be doing it better and then we are never doing enough pleasure or enough work right but if I start where I am and you know maybe I don't feel capable of having 10 orgasms a day, but I could start by, you know, stroking my face once a day. Oh, that feels good. That feels good. That feels good. And now I'm done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and just approving of where we are, Mm -hmm. which is really so it's the antidote to everything. I think just approval of where we are. And
0: it is so challenging from so many different angles. And it's lonely too, if you don't yeah. have the sisterhood and you don't have. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. If I'm in isolation, truly
1: me, myself, I I would say it takes about 24 hours of alone time without leaning into sisterhood
0: where I, I will spiral very quickly. Oh, yes. <laughs> 24 hours. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I can't do this. Who am I to do this? This is too hard. This is too scary. This sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a loser. I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone else has it figured out. So that's that's why we have the tools and the practice and other women to reflect back to us. Yes. And does anything, like what would scare you? What, what could you do? I know. I've been, you know, well... Um, you know, I'm working on my third book, which is always very confronting. I mean, I'd love to hear more about your process of writing your book, but there's something about writing a book—pretty <laughs> tangible. <laughs> if you want to see what you're made of, and if you want to really be pushed up against, um, fear of, or like worthiness and self-doubt stuff. Writing a book is—it's it's pretty up there. Yes, because oh, there's just so many layers, right? It's going to be published in print forever. Can't go back. (laughs) Can't go back. It's out there. I'm writing. Am I a good enough writer? And then is my writing valuable? Is this going to teach anyone anything? Also, who do I think I am to be an author? Like it's all been said before. So all the ego stuff gets um, stirred up. But you know, I think I've thought about this a lot. The things, if I think, what could I do that would be really terrifying and fun? Yes, yes, yes. Because the first thing that comes to mind is like playing basketball. <laughs> <sighs> but that I don't think would be very fun. It would be scary. Interesting. Okay. Unless I had like a really good coach. But like basketball, I just, I never played basketball. I'm not good okay. at basketball. Okay. So that scares me. Roller coasters and jumping out of airplanes terrifies me. Okay. Okay doesn't sound like fun okay so what would be fun and terrifying I mean it's such a yummy question to explore and I feel like I'm doing every day fun and terrifying things so when you know someone like Matt you know my partner goes oh you gotta skydive it's so fun and I'm like, you know what? I skydive every day
0: yes. mentally.
1: Like yes. my life is a skydive. So on the weekends, the last thing I want to do is get into an actual plane and <laughs> jump out. You want to get grounded and stand next to a tree and hug it right next to a tree, <laughs> curl up in a blanket, read a book and be <clears throat> as safe as possible because my job <sighs> feels like jumping in, out of an airplane every day.
0: Yes, I feel that. Yes. Don't you?
1: Yes. I don't need a roller coaster. I've got one. It's
0: called running a business. <laughs> <laughs> oh true. Ooh, yes, because when that book came out this past weekend, I thought, okay, gear up. What's what's next? What's next? And I realized, like, oh goodness gracious, like I'm in the middle. I'm like feeling like I'm jumping out of a plane. I feel like Hi. I'm doing the scariest thing. You have. I- I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like I probably need to just stop for a second and integrate all of this. Right. And then, and then consider what's, what's next. Um, But yeah, yeah. Life, life and running a business and holding space for, for all of the women that you hold space for in their terror and their pleasure. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know
1: about you, but that part feels easy. That part feels like a divine calling. Mm-hmm. I can sit and hold space, hold pain, hold big emotion that I can carry. Give it to me. Give it to me. I got it. Um, But the piece about running a business, and this is one of the things that's kind of interesting as I'm playing with this whole, no more playing small idea. Mm-hmm. There's a way that it can sound like no more playing small means just keep going, keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing, do more, do more, do more. And there's no, um, pause, like you said, to integrate what I've just done. Mm -hmm. And that is like, so not the case. And that's one of the things I'm always trying to, to teach, you know, that it's like, it's unnatural to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. It's unnatural to just always exhale and never inhale or vice (laughs) versa. right? Right. It would be unnatural if it was just like winter all, all year round. So I think that actually part of playing big is giving yourself permission to rest, to take breaks, to integrate. And for me, and I, I would guess probably for you, but for a lot of us, the taking a break part is really hard and scary too. Harder. Harder. harder.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I went, I celebrated by going to a float tank, the float tank in Portland in, in the morning of my book, because I wanted to just be quiet with my thoughts. That was not smart. Oh, I mean, well, it was, it was a good idea. And the worst idea I could ever possibly go with.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Right it It's because we're so fucking trained to like that productivity is what's valuable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if I sit in the float tank, <laughs> like is this okay? Is it okay for me to rest? Is it okay for me to take a break? Um you know, yesterday, like I went into the woods with my daughter for the day, like I just took the day off. It wasn't really part of my plan. Which threw me for a loop, but it was like, okay, I've got this opportunity to be in the woods in the winter in Maine, which is my favorite thing, mm. but it took me like probably an hour to like really mm-hmm. arrive, mm-hmm. and then it was like time to go. <laughs> you
0: know I mean? it was like, it's like the end of a massage the last five yeah. minutes it's
1: so divine, <laughs> yes, and it's so heartbreaking, isn't it, but it's so worth continuing the practice anyway because I want to savor as much as I can of the Mm -hmm. journey right it's like it's always going to be hard being depressed and sad and suicidal is hard Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. you know running a business is hard and being visible is hard writing a book is hard there's always going to be hard so we might as well pick the hard that's like fulfilling and yeah. exciting and alive and makes a difference in other people's lives and uh that's what you're doing that's that's what turns me on anyway when I'm like it's gonna be hard either way so let's do the hard that makes us laugh and
0: you could have you given me a little heads up and warning on the fact that like writing stand-up comedy and performing stand-up comedy might be just pushing it a little bit too I- much because and <laughs> Joe, that is consistently a year and a half later still scary and hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be scary
1: and hard for me. You know, before the pandemic, you had asked me to be like your keynote speaker. And I was like, I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know what, and I'm actually a great fan of comedy and, and not quite a student of comedy, but you know, like I spend a lot of time watching stand up comedy and assessing comedy shows and what are the bits and what are the techniques and and I still find that I find that so exciting and terrifying, and I I know that's what turns people on about it. Um, and the fact that you're using that path to to transform the things that give us heartache, grief, and shame—I mean, it's so fucking genius. But I didn't know you came up with that idea in the green room. Um, yes, was that night. That night. And, that night. and, and you know. I think that from what you're telling me, it sounds very much like a calling because it makes no sense. Logically.
0: I was bawling, curled up in fetal position on that very dusty couch in the dark with the little window. Oh, yeah. I was like looking out, watching everybody dance. Why can't I dance? I should do stand up comedy. What the hell is that?
1: Right. And there's an opening right in the crack. There's like an opening. It's like, oh, I could do a version of this. What would it be? Um, I think it's going to be comedy. And you are incredibly funny. You, You, uh, and I know you've been studying and like working with other comedians, but you have like a natural comedic talent and you know it or else you wouldn't be studying it and loving it so much.
0: I am loving it. It's very releasing. You can, you, it really gives you the opportunity to say anything and it just lands so easily on other people's ears. So I can make a joke now about sexual shame or religious trauma and, and people are laughing. Like I, it's so releasing to release those secrets in that format.
1: Big time. Mm. And I think some of the greatest uh, activists of our time and previous to our time have been comedians. Because if, I, if it's in the realm of comedy, there's more freedom and there's laughter. And when laughter is happening, learning is happening. I Whenever I'm teaching, I know learning is happening and people are laughing and aliveness and presence. There's like,
0: there's no aha without a ha-ha. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I use that often when I do my uh, lead with laughter workshops. Uh, I just start with that because you can remember it. There's no That's aha right. without a ha-ha.
1: Without a haha. Mm-hmm. That's right. And all the chemistry that go and I'll be receptive to hearing things that I otherwise might be offended by, shut down to, you know, that's why I love, I mean, Dave Chappelle, I think is one of the great activists and mm-hmm. teachers, because mm-hmm. he says things that if you put those, you know, on a news station, or in any other context, and he still gets a ton of shit for doing it. In comedy, so does Ricky Gervais. So does uh, every comedian that pushes the boundaries, like yeah, you, get fucking hate mail? And I did get hate mail. <laughs> who are you to do this? It's just, but there's there is there's a kind of freedom, right? And a and a way that you can push the envelope a little, as long as as long as they're laughing.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you get it. <laughs>
1: I totally get it. And I also love that we could go on and on about comedy stuff and I'm so curious to hear more, but there's a way that like this is true for rockstar camp too, right? Like I can we can control the the bits and the script and the lighting and the story, but we cannot control the audience. Mhm. And mm-hmm. the audience is going to give you very real feedback. Yes. Oh, yes. And, you know, some people might do a fake laugh or a fake applause, but you can tell when it's real. It's such a, it's honest feedback. You're either funny or you're not. It was funny or it wasn't to that particular audience. It was inspiring or it wasn't. The song went well or it wasn't. And I think with both of our work, you don't have to be an extraordinary talent as a comedian or a singer. In fact, what's so inspiring is watching someone who's not an incredible talent who's doing it anyway.
0: Yes. That's liberating. Yes. That's so true with the comedians too. When we do our show at the end of the eight weeks, we with laughter. We put on a show and nobody has any comedy experience coming into it. And it's the folks that maybe didn't prepare a whole lot. Weren't really that's sure right. what they were going to say. It's really messy. Now it's like bloopers and it's completely relatable right. and their truth comes out and it's not polished, but it's so real. And then somebody in the audience does, of course, cause it's virtual and we don't have actual like live clap, claps and laughter yet, mm-hmm. but it will be on stage. People are doing this and this and thumbs up yeah. and, and you yeah. can see it in their faces that they can relate. And that's something um, made them feel like they they, Oh, I belong. I hear you. I see you. I know you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it. So good. And I
1: think part of that is I can relate, and I'm excited. It's like it opens up a possibility, and I know this has happened for a lot of your, you know, students, participants who've watched the show and then said, "Oh, if they can do it, I can do it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in Rockstar camp all the time. And, and the performances that were most moving were the ones with the most bloopers, right? With yeah,
0: the most
1: mistakes. It's just a different, it's mm. a different context because we're not just doing it for entertainment. We're doing it for growth. We're doing it for learning. We're doing it for personal growth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's far, it feels far more transformative than entertaining. Right. But- both of our venues. Uh, yes. So what do you do? Okay. Cause you'd be a fool not to want to work with this woman. So <laughs> I say this almost at the end of every podcast. I could talk to you for hours, but seriously, oh, I want to talk true. to you. For hours.
1: It's true. Uh, it's true. We can do uh, a part two. We'll do a celebration. Yay. yay. Six Thank months
0: you. celebrating
1: your bestseller status or something.
0: We could do stand-up comedy and play basketball. Yes, we <laughs> could. jump
1: out of an airplane. While we're jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> and oh I could gosh. have a vibrator and use it. <laughs> yes, so you'd... Okay, so skydive. You've got a vibrator. I've got a basketball. And we both jump out. And then you're <clears throat> self-pleasuring. And then I'm aiming for the basketball
0: hoop. And then we <laughs> land... And say a punchline. Woo! Show <laughs> over. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. That's it. That's <laughs> our TED Talk.
1: That's our TED Talk. We got it.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. So <gasps> so um Sorry, I, think, yeah, I was gonna t- small all your master classes. Read your damn book. <laughs> just read my
1: book. I will say this for anyone who's listening because, you know, since the pandemic came, Rockstar Camp uh the live experience has very much been on hold and I so admire what you've done in transitioning stuff to online, which I experimented with a little bit and really um struggled without the live without the band because as you know the band and the music itself is it's literally like a a partner in the process. Mm-hmm the vibration of it. And so what I've been doing since then is just translating the same tools and principles, um, and giving people almost like parallel experiences. Maybe you're not singing on stage, but can you go on Facebook live seven days in a row? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not singing on stage, but can you be interviewed this week? And so, um, I'm still working with women of all flavors. And mostly, you know, women like you who are just smart, coachy, giver, light worker, spirit led healer types and helping them do what you're doing. You know, can I get clear on who I want to help and how could I help them in a way that would be fun
0: mm-hmm.
1: and impactful mm-hmm. and lucrative? And then how do I put myself out there, which you have been doing so beautifully every post I see ever I'm like yes yes Yes!" it's so inspiring but as you know for a lot of women that taking that those first steps is like really daunting
0: it really feels like you're jumping into a fire Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) it feels like you're jumping into a fire so that's and then we have the sisterhood just like when you got off stage you had you know, 10 women to hold you and catch you and cheer you on and support you. It's the same idea, but we're just doing it virtually. So, oh my God, I just did my interview. I was just on Pasha's podcast. Oh my God. I, you know, and they've got a sisterhood that's there to help them approve of themselves. And really all we're doing uh, really on a deep level, and you're doing the same thing is rewiring a person's visceral embodied experience of being seen and heard Because it feels like you're going to die Mm -hmm. to the brain. The brain actually is saying, this is a very bad idea. You're not going to go do comedy with an audience. That is a horrible idea. You've never done it before. It's very risky. And so I'm going to send messages to you. And besides being seen and heard is a very bad idea. So don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, But we encourage people to do it. And then they don't die. No.
0: And so valuable for somebody like me who doesn't have uh, the family system yeah. of support that that I would dream of and, and feel envy uh, towards when I see other people have that. And the sisterhood that you create is the sisterhood that I continuously return to so that they can continue to mirror my brilliance and- right honor my path and celebrate. So I I just can't imagine what I would have done because these are the radical fun women who, uh, who have held my hand throughout it all and, and have seen the whole process. So how fun it is to go through your program and, and say, you want us to what you want us to call a, whatever it is, radio station or news station, and then be like, Huh? Okay. Well, after I do, first of all, what's the worst that could happen is the right. question I keep asking myself. Like, what am I really scared of? But then right. to be able to come back and and say I did it and know with a hundred percent certainty that somebody in that community is going to within seconds read that and celebrate you—that's yes. comforting. But you need a big, a big sisterhood to do that, and you've created it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's life-saving. I say well, that. I
1: love that you're saying that because so many of us don't have that community naturally and in fact we may have parents siblings kids who think we're crazy um lost our minds complete you know laugh in our face what are you doing and that's a big deal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a big deal so it's the community piece is so key right and I know someone's gonna celebrate me someone's gonna get it someone's gonna cheer me on someone's gonna Have my back, and that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard for I. I I couldn't do it alone. Maybe some people can.
0: Mm -hmm. Certainly not as fun. Certainly. How can people reach you? Where do they go? I think the
1: best place is probably I'm in Facebook a lot, as you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just Megan Joe Wilson on Facebook, and. I do have a really cool one of the communities I think you're talking about, Posh, is my Facebook group, which has a very long name called Megan Joe Wilson's Rock Stars in the Army of Light. Is that the name? It's a long story. I why, just write
0: Army. That. I write Army and Search takes me there.
1: That's what Search Army. Megan Joe Wilson Army. But you know, that's that's a pretty um specific community and I do a lot of teaching in there, but it's mostly women, mostly coaches, mostly people in the early stages of their business and really navigating all the challenges of doing that. And that's my mission. That's my total mission is to help women like you, like me, like the other women we hang with to go share their gifts and make money doing it and help other people to heal. That's my contribution. Like it's not basketball. So (laughs)
0: And how wonderful it is! I'm sure for you to be able to. I, I'm I'm not the only one. I'm sure that hundreds of people will say this, but I'm thinking that it's tangible for you. Like you could like like my ex husband used to make rock walls, and I was so envious because he saw the wall he made. I'm like, right, that's the thing that I made. So that's why I love the idea of a book and a podcast. It's like, right here, I did it. I did right, it. Right, and right, I'm here. But I have to say, like, I I'm your rock wall because a year. Yeah half ago, I did not dance, sing, laugh, play pleasure um I, I just i it was not there, it was so hidden, and I'm grateful forever <laughs> to you for holding that space so patiently and gently and allowing me and and again, this is just working with you this is what it looks like, but coming to the calls not with the video on, but crying under my table, sobbing, not realizing I wasn't muted, then finding out I wasn't muted and that everyone heard me sobbing while you continued on with your masterclass and then realizing that it was okay, that people were holding space for my sobs. Yeah. Wow. And And then the world opens up and you feel safe being finally free and authentic. And yeah. I'm just going to keep gushing until you hang up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, but if people want to reach me. <laughs> if you'd like to have a conversation with me, because I'm a fucking coach too. Because I'm a coach too. <laughs> and it's a really good one. <sighs> PashaMarlow.com is my website. And email is Pasha at PashaMarlow.com. You can find me by my name, Pasha Marlow, on Facebook and Instagram and all the places. And I love my work. I love coaching. It is the most fun I've ever had. And I love watching the transformation. And I love being able to circle back and reconnect to the women who inspired me and showed me the way, namely Megan Joe Wilson. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, sister. You are my rock wall. I love that. And you know, I tell your story all the time. I appreciate love that. what you're doing. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I love participating in what you're doing. You're going to get uh, on that
0: stand-up comedy stage as soon as we find a venue when it's safe to do so. Do it. I got to take the class. I got to practice my, my bits.
1: I'm so proud of your book. Like Thanks. I said, I just bought it. And of course we'll be talking about that far and wide so we can be each
0: other's rock walls awesome I love that all right thank you everybody for listening for watching and I will see you soon Pasha Marlowe let pleasure be the measure thank you Megan Jo Wilson
1: my pleasure